Hi, welcome to BizQuick. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And on today's show, we have Michael Harn. He's out of Oregon City, Oregon, and he is the owner of Anlon Construction. Welcome, Mike. That's right. You're listening to BizQuick. This is where Julie and Corey provide quick and useful information to small business owners. BizQuick is the podcast where small business owners get to showcase their businesses and receive expert advice and guidance in areas many entrepreneurs struggle with. And you, the listener, get solutions, tips, and tricks on real-world topics that many small business owners face. Julie and Corey are the experts small businesses hire when they need solutions. And the BizQuick podcast is just one way they deliver those solutions. Let's start the show. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're looking forward to it as well. So you are in the construction industry and I wanted to just jump right in. You started your business, your current business, you've been in it for a while, but you started your current business in 2009. Tell us what it was like starting a home construction business right after the bubble. Yeah, certainly a challenge, you know, and that was the reason we decided to start Anlon. You know, we recognized in the downturn I'd been working for another company and, you know, the challenge was everybody handled that different. And it was really important to me to kind of be able to take control of how we were going to handle difficult things moving forward. I didn't like the idea of having someone else, uh, you know, make those decisions. And so it became uh, very important at the very beginning to ensure that it was a relationship based uh, company and ensure that we had the opportunity to really make sure that we had the best group of people together. So it was it was certainly a challenge because we, we recognized a difficult market, but it was truly the best time because we've learned so much through the challenges. Sure. And that's, you know, that's a, a really good lesson to learn there. Just, I mean, learning from challenges and, and all of that. I mean, because a lot of people just, you know, especially it seems like this year with COVID, everybody just kind of gave up, you know, they're just waiting for the storm to pass. And there's a lot of people that took advantage of the situation and, you know, went on from there. So um, let's talk about that from, you know, 2009, you know, relatively decent years, you know, between, you know, once the recovery happened and up to 2019. So can you tell us about, um, you know, how uh, 2020s affected you? Yeah. So COVID was one of those things that, so we built, we built large custom houses, right? So the majority of our uh, clients are relatively high net worth. And so when we recognized, you know, when the stock market first took that initial plunge at the beginning of COVID, uh, I was quite nervous. You know, I made calls to every single client that we had on the books, as well as the clients that we'd just been talking to and kind of moving forward. And what I was amazed about was nobody walked away. Uh, certainly we had, ironically, some people who pushed forward faster. Their desire was to move quicker. In some cases, that was uh, simply because they felt they could get a better, uh, potentially a better return on their investment because the market was down. And then the other side was a lot of people just wanted to continue to help smaller companies. You know, as far as the grand scheme of home building, we're not huge. We build about 20 houses a year, uh, very, very relationship-based. But if you were to take the last seven or eight months, we have uh, we have had more success in growing our business during that time uh, than any period of time uh, through, throughout the growth of the company. And so it's been one of those things that you alluded to, kind of stepping into the challenge and, and kind of pivoting your way through it. 
Well, you stepped into a lot of things right there, um, hitting on the, the communication aspect and calling your customers and even the prospects that you've been speaking to. Um, that's a brilliant move that I think a lot of people missed out on was opening up those gates right away to say, hey, here's what's happening or just re making sure they could retain the customers or at least the relationship. I'm curious about the timeline, right? For when you start first start working with somebody to how long it takes for that to, to work its way through the process. Because what I'm really wondering is if COVID really started to hit heavy in March, when would you have really started to feel the effects of it if you wouldn't have been able to get new clients? Yeah. So certainly, you know, some of the clients that we were already in the process of building for were, were truthfully kind of stuck. You know, we were going to continue to do that. You know, when, when we first meet a client uh, to the time that we, you know, move them in, you know, it's realistically generally about five to six months before we actually start the build. So that relationship, I tell people it's a very, very intimate process. We uh, do everything from selecting all of the materials to drawing the architectural plans to finalizing all of our estimates. We do all of that before we ever start. Um, and so that helps. There's a tremendous amount of communication and relationship growth that's happening before we've ever done anything construction-wise. And then, uh, of course, what we're doing is we're continuing to communicate with uh, not only the clients, but our team of vendors. The majority of our uh, subcontractors and suppliers have been with us. Uh, certainly from the from the outset of Anlon in 2009, but I started building in 96. I have some subcontractors that have been with me probably since 2001 or 2002. So, you know, it's not only the, the communication and the timing that it takes for the client, but also for the trades. You know, uh, we used to uh, oftentimes in our schedule have multiple trades in a house at one time. Um, that's not the case now. We wanted to be very respectful of how the different companies were going to manage COVID. And, uh, and so because of that, we've, we've kind of rubber banded and, and lengthened out our schedules a little bit. Um, but, you know, the process for us, about six months to get into the building process. And then, you know, depending on the size of the house, uh, certainly uh, another six to, to 10 months in the build cycle. Uh, and then realistically, we're, we're uh, continuing to communicate with them through the warranty process and all of that. We've wanted to be very, very upfront that our relationship doesn't end when we hand you the keys. You know, we send a birthday card to the house uh, from the day you've moved in. So we want to make sure that, that you recognize we haven't forgot about you. Wow. Um, that whole relationship thing is really, really key and such a big part of being a small business owner is that yeah. opportunity to really build those great relationships. Um, kudos to you for taking that and not only on the customer side, but also with your vendors. Speaking of vendors, I am curious, like how did you work through modifying your processes as COVID started to hit? Yeah, I think, you know, again, the first conversations we had were certainly with the clients, but the secondary conversations we had, you know, realistically within days, was how we were going to be able to manage job sites. You know, uh, we were blessed in Oregon that, uh, that uh, we were considered an essential business. Uh, in Washington, ironically, just north of us over the river, but they were not. Uh, and so even though we're building in Oregon, some of our trade contractors are coming down from Washington because we're just across the river. So they had been shut down. Uh, and so uh, what 
happened specifically for us was our cabinet shop that we deal with the most was out of uh, was out of Washington and the issue that they were running into was they were not allowed to go into their warehouse they were not allowed to go into where they build these cabinets so they had you know here we were with delivery dates and all of these things ready to go uh, they had been in the process of building the cabinets but they were not able to ship them or install them and so you know, again, a lot of it came down to uh, to communicating with them and understanding what was happening, uh, communicating that back to our clients, um, and and really having a level of empathy for the fact that everybody's going through this, uh, you know, this this pandemic not only uh, with the fear and and the potential challenges of getting sick, but but how it was affecting your business and how you were going to be able to continue to move forward. And. With your clients and how, you know, they said, you said that they've been flexible as well, but have you had to deal with any potential problems? Because I imagine like building a home, I'm scheduling, you know, I need to be out of my current home if I'm moving into this new home. Uh, how, have you, how have you handled those types of problems with your clients? Uh, communication, 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 you know, we've, we've absolutely had that, you know, and some, you know, most people, uh, we, we have about well, 60% of our clients are financing the houses. So you had loan locks potentially expiring, you had certainly move-in dates, uh, things like that. And again, you know, because, uh, because of the level of organization that we have on the front side, uh, we're really able to forecast uh, what the long-term effect is of the changes today. You know, we're, we're, uh, we're herding cats or we're directing the circus is the way that I look at it. And, and the only way to really do that is to over-communicate and get out in front of it. Um, and so uh, we were speaking not only with our clients, but as needed with their lenders. Uh, we were we were looking at uh, in some cases if we needed to potentially pivot and change vendors we were doing that um, you know obviously uh, the team uh, the team aspect is incredibly important to me so when and if we had to pivot and change a vendor I wanted to both communicate with our longtime vendor of why we were doing it and then with the new vendor uh, about you know how this relationship could or couldn't work you know we look at things. Uh, in the macro. The, the micro is the immediate challenge that we have to go through, but the macro is the relationships we want to have long-term. Again, that relationship and communication comes back around. Were you able to find any voids or any opportunity for disruption in how you were doing things as a result of COVID? Yeah, there was a lot of disruption. Oftentimes, really, it was from the, from the, uh, the parts that were deal that we were dealing with through the general uh, governmental things. So, uh, how how small private businesses were handling it, we had no choice but to just buck up and figure out a way to do it. But jurisdictionally, a lot of that, as well as the publicly traded companies that we would deal with, you know, they were they were being governed by something much much larger. And so, whereas an independent business person were consistently solution-based and trying to figure out how to pivot and how to move that forward, you know, we had uh, jurisdictions that were getting our permits through, jurisdictions that were uh, doing our inspections that just were shut down. And so they had to, uh, to figure it out. I mean, we were, uh, I was smiling with some of our project managers, you know, for a while, the, the inspectors weren't allowed on site. So then we, uh, with a, with another group of, of builders kind of worked on a solution. So we were able to FaceTime our way through or Zoom our way through inspections. 
Um, so just kind of consistently looking for the, uh, the solution as opposed to just, just venting on what was going to be the challenge. So uh, that took, you know, a lot of that, you know, the real disruption for us was about four weeks. Um, now we're seeing the new disruption, which is the manufacturing that we're seeing kind of worldwide. I mean, we're, we're dealing with uh, products that are coming in from China, products that are coming in from other countries uh, in, uh, you know, in Asia. And so, you know, because of that, as we see flare-ups throughout the world, uh, that is affecting the ability to get some of these products. So it's certainly not over. It's something that we, and we try to tell people that, uh, clients uh, specifically that, you know, we run into this challenge in manufacturing. We don't control it, but as soon as we have information, we're going to communicate it and we're going to adjust. It's, it's funny you bring up the FaceTime uh, with the, the home inspectors because, you know, we've, we've spoken with some real estate um, uh, realtors who have done kind of the same thing, but they're doing FaceTime showing the house, yeah. that type of stuff. And, um, you know, we spoke with a lawyer who uh, they, they've been able to streamline um, the, the magistrate where they can, you know, they do that via Zoom and all that. So they're actually using technology to streamline how they're doing business, which mm-hmm. is really hard to convince the government they need to streamline or make things easier, um, sure. especially when it comes to inspectors of any kind. And I know from my, my experience in restaurants, um, what, what other ways have you been able to like improve or just, you know, streamline what you do? I think you brought up something interesting with the technology. Uh, I'd never had a Zoom meeting uh, prior to COVID. Um, and, and we are uh, fortunate enough to be able to build, uh, we, we build basically within about an hour and a half to two hours of where our head office is. Um, but what I noticed almost immediately was, you know, in some cases, so we have a weekly meeting with all of our, uh, with all of our uh, clients. So at different times, well, that used to require uh, myself or, or one of our project managers meeting on site uh, or even prior to starting, we were meeting them face-to-face, whether that was in a coffee shop or whatever. Well, you had the hour of travel time to get there. You had the hour of travel time to get back and then you had the meeting. So we were actually able to find a lot of efficiencies that we will continue to utilize regardless. Uh, so a lot of things that we a thought had to be done face-to-face, don't. Conversely, we also recognize that we can't rely on technology wholly because uh, in our industry, in our business, um, you know, building a home is an emotional decision and it is an emotional series of of, uh, decisions that are happening throughout the process. So we didn't want to get overly comfortable with technology, but we certainly did not want to not utilize it. So we're still kind of uh, massaging our way through that and understanding it. That's um, so huge for so many companies right now is how they can leverage technology going forward in ways that they didn't do before. And a lot of industries are, are changed forever because of COVID and not necessarily for the worse, right? There are some really good benefits that have happened We're going to take a quick break to let Damien Scott tell you about his business, Lexington CPA Associates. Hey guys, Damien Scott here with Lexington CPA and Associates. We are your accounting professionals working from coast to coast, from California to New York, anything accounting and tax related. I know it's the beginning of the year. You might be thinking about doing your tax returns and we're the ones to help you out. 
contact us today based off of this conversation right now, receive 20% off and we'll help you with that mountain of paperwork that's on your desk. We'll get you cleaned up. We'll get you ready for taxes and we'll get you moving forward. Damian Scott with Lexington CPA and Associates. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Check out our show notes to learn all the ways that you can connect with Lexington CPA Associates. Now back to the podcast. All right. I'm going to go back and talk a little bit more about adversity. You've had a not so traditional path to get to where you are and you've encountered um, some adversity along the way. Can you, can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I think it's kind of interesting. I don't know that there is a traditional path, you know, I mean, I, uh, as graduating high school, I, I chose to go into the military. I absolutely loved that. Uh, I'd kind of lied to myself and said when I got out, I was planning on going to college. Um, realistically, I started uh, started working on uh, in the construction field and and uh, and fell in love with it. And I had a natural uh, uh, propensity to lead. And one of the people that I was doing some work for. Uh, asked me to come in and manage uh, a, a subdivision for them. So at 22 years old, here I am managing uh, a project with a bunch of, you know, 40, 50, 60 year old guys. And I had to learn about the, uh, the incredible importance of being able to collaborate with people instead of uh, making them do something. And, you know, instead I was wanting to make it collaborative. And, you know, and then realistically in talking about adversity, you know, about four and a half years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer, um, and that uh, has had a lot of uh, a lot of different adversities inside of it. I'm currently doing uh, chemotherapy as well as immunotherapy. You know, and realistically, what that did is it um, it forced a, a pivot in what was most important. You know, I mean, for I think for a lot of small business owners. Uh, it is a purely numbers, profit, uh, cash flow-based uh, business. And, and all of those things are ridiculously important. Uh, but I think that, you know, for me, um, you know, I look at there's, you know, in my world, there's a level of risk as we do this, right? We have the long-term risk of construction defect. We have the cash flow risk of potentially buying properties and doing things like that because we also do land development. Um, but you know, realistically, my appetite for risk and my desire for risk has changed, right? It, it changed originally when I got married. It changed again as I had children. And certainly, uh, you know, when diagnosed with cancer and, uh, and recognizing that uh, at this point, we haven't been told that it's going to affect my longevity, but my body for some reason, you know, because I've, I've had now uh, five surgeries on it. We continue to do this. We've been in a position where we felt like we were cured and it has come back. Um, you know, my body has a propensity to make cancer as well as be pretty good at fighting it. And so that has forced me to, uh, to really look at how I want to manage the business, how I do that. You know, we've, we've been forced to do a lot of things as a company that all companies should do, but we don't think about it. You know, like we do have a succession plan if something does happen to me. You know, the idea of doing that, even though it's the right thing, we just, we just avoid that, right? Because the business is our dream. The business is our goal. Uh, and so it was very, very important for me to make sure that my team, certainly my upper level management, uh, that we were all on the same page and that we were all able to make sure we understood if this happens, then this will be the path. And, and by the way, that, that will change again. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, there's, 
uh, you just said so many interesting things in there and I want to, you know, I want to address them all, but what I really want to hit on is the, um, the, your ability to, to, I'll call it a pivot. It's not so much a pivot as it is this dealing with dealing with hard stuff, right. And working your way through and finding the good way, the, the good in that, um, and the succession plan. You're so right. So many companies don't do it and they really, really need to, um, what has been the hardest part of, um, sort of managing the business without trying to move, without trying to merge too much of that personal into it, but knowing that you really kind of have to at this point to, to keep things moving forward. Yeah, well, I think that one of the challenges for most uh, small business owners, and certainly myself included, uh, is, <clears throat> excuse me, is the idea of uh, what is you and what is the business? You know, the business itself has needs, and those needs are, are regardless of, of uh, chemotherapy treatment or a surgery or even having children or whatever. So wanting to identify that with the team, you know, I look at it, at it from a business standpoint, very similar to the way I look at it in my, in my personal life, which is uh, if we look at the cancer journey specifically, cancer is a part of me. It's not all of me. It's not the entire identity of me. So it, you know, my question for a long time was, do I share this with clients? Do I share this with people? Are they going to be scared to, to build with someone? Uh, and I have just found that the right thing is always the right thing. And so I would want someone to share that with me. So it's been very important to, uh, to share that with not only my, my management team, but with my clients. In some cases, in fact, the vast majority of our vendors have been with us for so long that I've shared it with them on a, on a friend side. So wanting to, uh, again, uh, never give it more power than it deserves. And I would look at that with whether that's reacting to COVID or whether that's reacting to a market. Uh, you have to consistently uh, have your true north as a company, but be willing to be flexible and understand that things change. And this was obviously a, a large change, but uh, there's been a multitude of those over the last 20 years. I absolutely love uh, you just two quotes that you just gave. The right thing is always the right thing and never give it more power than it deserves. Those are so huge for small business owners and nuggets that I think a lot of people are going to be able to take away from this podcast. So thank you so much for sharing those. Pleasure. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Um, we're getting kind of close to the end here. So wanted to just open it up for one last comment. Yeah, I think that uh, if anything, I would say this in, in life as well as business, uh, surround yourself with people who are able to do the things that you aspire to do. You know, so continuing to, as a small business owner, whether that's finding mentors, whether that is having communication about uh, about where you want to go and then, and then be real about it. You know, I mean, don't, uh, you know, don't pretend what you what it is you want to do. It takes a tremendous amount of hard work to have a level of success. And, and that's where having those real conversations with mentors, friends, uh, don't, don't surround yourself with a bunch of yes people. Surround yourself with people who have had a level of success, but that you can have a deep enough relationship with where they're going to challenge you. Uh, so I think 
you know, that would be probably if I was talking to two people about starting a business, it would be that. It's, it's more work than you think it is, uh, but the rewards are tremendous. So, uh, so find people that can help you get down that path. Great. Thanks for, thanks for the advice there. Um, before we go, can you tell our listeners how they can find out more about you? Yeah, I'd love to love to be able to communicate with them. Uh, Anlon Construction, we certainly have a website, anlonconstruction.com. You'll find us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest. Uh, you know, and, and our goal is to do whatever we can to not only uh, provide a great relationship and, and, and experience for our clients, but anything we can do to help grow our industry or help other entrepreneurs. So uh, I'm more than happy to, uh, to, to go as deep as any of your, uh, your potential listeners would want to. So thank you for the opportunity to share. Great. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. Thanks again for, for all of this. It's been a, been a great conversation. And of course, all of the different ways that you can contact Mike will have in our show notes. And thank you to our listeners. We appreciate you tuning in every week. You can connect with us on social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can reach out to us on sbpace.com or bizquickpodcast.com. And while you're listening to our podcasts, make sure to subscribe on whatever platform it is that you prefer to listen to your podcasts on like us and give us a review also if there's a topic you want to hear about go ahead and reach out and let us know if we're not experts on it we'll find someone who is and we'll get them on the podcast and we have a number one best-selling book on amazon you should check it out it's called seriously now what a small business guide to disaster preparedness and it comes with a companion workbook that's it for today's podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Julie. And this was BizQuick, helping small businesses across America.